Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. This week on the show, we're talking about recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit. And as you guys know, All Things Evangelism is a podcast where we talk about anything that has to do with the work of winning people to Christ. And uh, I've got my friend and pastoral colleague here, Ashley Smith. Thank you, Ash, for coming on and hanging out and spending some time with me. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah. Hey, listen, could you tell everyone why you're especially qualified to talk about recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit? I wouldn't say that I'm qualified. I would say that when you're involved in God's work, you're given opportunities to see the leading of the Spirit. And so I think that puts you in places where you're a co-laborer with the Spirit and the Spirit's using you and you can see the Spirit moving upon the lives of other people and you can begin to discern what is the moving of the Spirit in people's lives by the way that He uses you and the way that He speaks to others. Yeah. Exceptional. So you're saying that any average Joe can learn how to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to Yeah, go through the rigors of academia to figure that out. You just get involved in God's work and you can experience it for yourself. Hey, do you think that recognizing the Spirit's work or having that ability is one of the most important parts of soul winning and evangelism? Oh. Yeah, without a doubt, because that goes hand in hand with calling someone to a decision. It's Otherwise, you're just sharing with them information. And the purpose of studying with somebody isn't just to share with the information with them, it's to bring them to a place of decision where you call them to respond to the information that you're revealing to them. And yeah, that goes hand in hand with that. So what do you think is more important, to be able to communicate ideas, the truths from the Bible, really, really good, or recognizing the moving of the Holy Spirit? I've heard a... I've heard a preacher once say, and it may have been you, I don't know, but they said you can preach an A sermon and have a C, an appeal, and it makes the sermon a C, a C sermon. Or you could preach a C kind of sermon and have an A appeal, which is basically a call to decision, and you make that sermon an A sermon. And so it's not just presenting the information, it's what will I do with this information? And there's a couple of biblical examples that you could use to communicate that point. But yeah, I just think that we don't just present information. As great as the information is and as necessary it is because it's the basis upon which you make any decision, but it's what do I do with this information that's being presented? How do I apply this to my life? What changes will this demand in my life? It's really wrestling with that and what that means for the individual that's really significant. And it's the role of the person who's sharing to bring that person to that place and not be afraid or hesitant to actually put that out there. You know. Yeah. I'm studying 1 Corinthians as a devotional book in the mornings. It's my devotional reading every day. And one of the things, and I've been preaching a sermon the last two weeks on chapter two. And in 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse one, Paul says to the church at Corinth, who he planted, he says, when I came to you, I did not come to you with superior speech or wisdom when I wanted to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that in verse two, I think it's a pretty famous verse where he says, I determined not to know anything else among you except for Jesus and him crucified. And then he says in verse four, that he didn't use enticing words of men's wisdom. And so he seems to be communicating that to the church, that when he won them, he, he intentionally spoke in a pretty average way, and he didn't show off his deep knowledge of philosophical thoughts. Mm. And uh, yeah, and then he says that it's because he wanted their faith to rest upon the message itself. And yeah. he was trusting in the Holy Spirit. He says that later in the chapter, because it's only the Holy Spirit that can bring someone to a true knowledge of the gospel or a knowledge of God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. and I'm just saying all of this because it, it relates to my question. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you see how it relates to my question? Because according to Paul, it seemed more important that he speaks in line, in harmony with the Holy Spirit. 
And that was more important to him that he spoke with Holy Spirit power rather than speaking with the enticing words of men's wisdom. Yeah. And it's, and this is Paul, like he didn't just present the information, but he made the appeal. And when you're talking, I was thinking about Paul before for King Agrippa and he shares his testimony. It's like at the end of Paul's life and you have those instances where he's before these great dignitaries and he shares his testimony once again to King Agrippa and then he finishes his testimony. And I just love how he takes like his story and then he asks a response of the king. And he says in Acts chapter 26, verse 17, and he said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And it's, he's really bringing it to, it's just like, otherwise you could just, just wipe off. Okay. He's, this is his experience, but now he brings it to the personal kind of note. And what do you think? What will you do with Jesus here? And the famous response from Agrippa is, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. And although, although he didn't respond in the positive, Paul was, he was faithful to the trust that God had committed to him. And I think that this is an important thing as soul winners. It's not necessarily the fruits, but rather the faithfulness of the calling that God has given us, that, that we extend the invitation irrespective of what response will come. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to ask a question that I could have asked at the beginning, but what's, why is it important to, to be able to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit? Because we're saying, and I think it's important to say that appealing to people and working in conjunction with the Spirit to bring people to decisions, that's important. But why is it important to be able to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit? Number one, you don't want to get in the road. <laughs> you know, you don't want to pay odds to the Holy Spirit. And, and secondly, you're asking to be used by the Spirit. And in John chapter 16 and verse 8, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit was come, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and in judgment. And so to be able to discern what God is saying to this individual, because they can respond in various ways to the truth that's being presented. Like, I think sometimes we fail to recognize that that conviction is a positive response to what you're communicating. But conviction can also be a negative response. They're still convicted. And so it's discerning in those moments when to ask those questions, to be trusting to the Spirit when those opportunities do come. But I think we need to discern, number one, what the Spirit is doing in their life and just be open to the Spirit's leadings. Because I think as well, we can sometimes be very kind of cookie-cutter kind of Christians that the Spirit works in this way. And he mm -hmm. does, but sometimes the Spirit may move in ways that we weren't expecting. In different ways. So do you think it's possible for one person to teach another person how to recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit? Could yeah. I sit someone down in a class, a group of soul winners or a group of church members, could I sit them down and give them a class so that by the time the class is finished, they'll know now how to recognize the moving of the Spirit? Or do you think it's something that takes just experience and time and mm. personal discernment over time? Or is it a little bit of both? I think you could say it's a little bit of both. I mean, you could sit in a class and share experiences and there's lessons from the experiences that you've had. You should call people to decision. But then I think the best place to learn and to experience it is doing it yourself. So I think that's the best place, but you can certainly learn things. Like you can read the book Persuasion by Mark Finley. I think it, it is or anything yes. from Louis Therese, Gaining Decisions for Christ. And, and you learn principles and things, but there's nothing like being in the furnace yourself and actually experience God's moving in someone else's life. Yeah, it's so good. And by the way, that quote that you mentioned, I think that was Mark Finley who said, it's better to preach a C sermon with an A appeal than a yeah. sermon with a C appeal and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But dude, the reason why I asked that last question was because I read a book once called Blink and the book is about the subconscious and how people make snap, what he calls snap judgments. And it's part and parcel to the human experience and it's necessary 
for a person's survival, like in a primitive setting, especially like where you've got to be able to look at a situation and make a quick judgment. And he just talks about how your subconscious usually knows things before you're conscious, but before you're consciously aware of them. And he talks in the book, he talks about a fireman in New York City and all of his comrades who worked on the fire in the fire department with him, they thought that he was a clairvoyant. They thought that he had a sixth sense and he was like a legend. And because of like time and time again, he could always tell when you're in a dangerous situation and he knew exactly what to do. And he was like a prophet. He'd predict what was going to happen to a building, to a room or whatever. And it recounts this one time where he was in a room and a scientist was there with him. It was him, the fireman. And so the scientists started tracking this guy around, like just jotting down all this information about him and gathering information to to try to figure out, is this guy got a sixth sense or what is it? Mm -hmm. So anyways, this guy's in the room, they're all in a kitchen and this fire chief says, this floor is going to fall out, get out. And no one could tell what was, why that was the case, but they got out of the room. Two seconds later, (laughs) the floor drops through, drops down, there's fire underneath the floor and somehow, some way he knew it. Mm -hmm. Anyways, long story short, over time, the scientists figured out that what was happening was that his subconscious over time had gathered so much information about all the different circumstances that he was in that he began to be able to feel what was going to happen before he could consciously be aware of it. And so it wasn't as if he had some sixth sense. It was that he was able to use his subconscious in a way that most people don't use it. So he trusted his intuition. And if he sat around for three hours and contemplated why he knew what he knew, he could probably come up. And the scientists walked him through processes where he finally realized like, whoa, I don't have a sixth sense. It's just my intuition has picked things up that I've not yet become conscious of. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if soul winning isn't like that a bit, like where you get yourself in a certain environment of reaching out, giving Bible studies, participating with the church in various ministries. And then after you are doing the work that the spirit assigns to you to do, that over time you start to be able to recognize, okay, the spirit is pressing on this person. And sometimes you might know it, but you don't know exactly how you know it. You just, Mm. you can, you're picking it up. I'm not trying to say it's too spiritual or can't know, but that's just why I asked the question. Yeah. And it's interesting, hey, it's just, and it's, and you learn that it's often different things for different people. And so somebody might be convicted and they're fidgeting at that moment where they, they might be looking away when you're sharing a specific truth or you're looking at a certain verse. Then for other people, they might just be like focused, like just glued in, just listening. And so conviction manifests itself in different ways. And I guess for me personally, when I started, I think I was quite fearful of sharing certain things for somebody that I knew that would have been an issue for them because I was afraid of rejection. But I think the more you do it and just leaning back to this, this intuition, it's like this experience. And once you go through the experience of bringing people to Christ, being putting your, your legs under their table and sitting down and studying the Bible with them, you begin to think less about the possible acceptance and rejection of you and more so about what they're going to do with this truth, this very important message that I'm sharing with them. And yeah, and then you go, it's, it's, it's life at its best, really, like just studying with somebody because it's just so different for every single person. Like I studied with a lady yesterday and just exciting story. She has her kids in our school, Tweed Valley Adventist College, and the deputy, the deputy principal there came up to me and said, hey, this lady wants to study the Bible. And how cool is that that the deputy is like, on the house, like just scouting for Bible studies and passing. And so we've tag team doing Bible studies with this lady. Now we've done 18 studies. We did the study on the 2300 days and we did that in 30 minutes and she All just right. got it because another evidence for me that shows that she's convicted is she's not only 
there listening to the, the studies and engaging with the studies, but she's referring to what we, we've looked at previously. And then she's watching our sermons on Sabbath, which are basically going through the same thing that we're studying. So she's getting these things multiple times. And just to see, just to see her watching and grasping and just then relating it to this part of the study series that we've done on this one, it's just, for me, that's life at its best, where you just spectating, you're a spectator to oh. the work of God. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. And just being, just having the privilege, mate, the absolute privilege of sharing the gospel with somebody. And just, it is super humbling to know that God is using you in those moments. Yeah, it's all inspiring. Hey, that's so good. So most people who are listening to us will be familiar with Jesus's teaching to Nicodemus in John chapter three, where he tells them that people have to be born again or else they cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And later on in the chapter, in try, when he tries to explain to Nicodemus like what this all means, being born again, he says that you can, the Holy Spirit, he compares to the wind and says that the wind, you, could, you can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind itself. You can't t- tell whether it's coming from and whether it's going. doesn't mean that you can't know the direction of the wind. It just means you can't see the wind, mm. but you see its effects. And he says, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So Jesus clearly communicates that you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit on people the same way you can see the effects of the wind on the trees. So in your understanding, Ash, just from your experience and from what you know about the Bible, what are some of the indications that the Spirit's moving? Because we want to give people practical advice here on recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you're a person who gives Bible studies all the time. You pastor a church. You preach the Word of God. You're commissioned by God as a full-time minister. To, to just do ministry, spiritual ministry of the word. So in your experience and through the Bible, what are some of the indications, some of the things you can see that show us that the Holy Spirit is moving, convicting someone in a particular way? I would say, firstly, acceptance of the truth. I think that's huge. And I think fundamentally that's the most important one because if someone's not accepting the truth, then they're rejecting the moving of the Spirit. Okay, so that's your litmus test. It's the word and what they're doing with Scripture. So that if they're wrestling with scripture and they're saying no, then they're still convicted. They're just making unwise decisions. And so if, as it comes back to scripture, I think ultimately what they do with scripture, do they, do they accept the authority of scripture as it reads, or do they accept their own authority and what they think, you know, about certain topics or ideas? I think that's number one. When it comes to conviction, I think I've said before, there's different people respond in different ways to conviction. For somebody, they might ask questions or they might put up obstacles. And generally behind obstacles, there's always a question that they don't want to bring forward because they're fearful of that being resolved. And so they put up objections that may have nothing to do with the issue at hand, but this is just what they're hiding behind. That makes Um, me think of the woman at the well, by the way. Yeah. They hide behind religious controversies or whatever. There, There was a lady that we studied with who became an Adventist last year and we went through all the studies and we got to, she'd been through two or three study series. Okay, so she been so Rochelle Ford, she took her through it, and then uh, someone else from church took her through, and then I, I was take no, I took it, and then Boris did some as well. And uh, there's one thing that she sh- just couldn't get over, and that was Sabbath, and she was really resisting the Sabbath, and so we're coming from different angles, and then ultimately came to a head where we just confronted her. And I remember we were sitting in this meeting just wrestling with it with her, <laughs> and she was just she wasn't wanting. She's I can see it from the Bible, but I just can't accept it, and. We asked the question, I think it's a Louis Therese question. So what's keeping you from making this decision? And she's, and we, after a lot of conversation, we finally got to that question. We finally got to that thing that she was hiding behind. And it was like my daughters, I'm waiting for my daughters to, to make that decision. And I looked at her and I just, I remember what I said, I said, 
what happens if they're waiting for you? And then she just like, just crying and stuff. And then she's hold accept the Sabbath. <laughs> and she became an Adventist. And now both of her daughters have made decisions for baptism. And so there's various ways. Sometimes people take a little bit longer than others. Sometimes people resist and they raise up stupid objections that have nothing to do with the study because they're trying to get away from the conviction. But I think fundamentally when conviction is moving in a positive direction, they're accepting the authority of God's word. And they're, I guess they're aligning their lives to scripture. Do you, bro, do you think it's helpful to, to inform people that the spirit of God is working on them? Mm -hmm. I'm just one, this is a sincere question. I've done this in, in my ministry in the past. I don't know if other people would agree, but do you think it's a good idea to say, Hey, look, the spirit of God is at mm -hmm. work. Like God's spirit is talking to you. This isn't just about yeah. me because this is the word of God. And this is the spirit. Any way that you feel right now, that's a reaction to God, not to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it a good thing to tell people that at, at times? I think so. It's like when Jesus said to Simon, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. It's like he affirmed him for the positive expression of faith that this comes from above, doesn't come from below. That's it. Hey, because it's easy for people to think that we're the source of the way they feel. So if I present a truth to someone, they, they assume that the messenger, they conflate the messenger and the message. But what brings you to a point of being, say, I'm feeling a bit, I'm feeling cold sweats or I'm feeling a bit angry or tense, or I'm feeling like I want to evade you, or I'm feeling like I want to cry, or I'm feeling like whatever feeling is coming upon me. I can assume that the reason I'm feeling that way is because the person, but really it's the spirit, like the Holy yeah. Ghost is bringing me to a point of decision. And that's making me feel whichever way I feel at the time. And there could be multiple feelings, depending on the personality, the person's circumstance, many feelings that could be manifest. And I'm thinking like in scripture, there's a whole array of different feelings that people express or experience and express when the Holy Spirit's upon them. Like in Acts chapter seven, when Stephen was preaching to the Jewish leadership and it says mm. they were cut to the heart yeah. and then they ran at him and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So they became like furious animals and they became viciously angry. So that was a response. That was a response to the spirit. The spirit was at work on those people and they responded negatively. And like the woman at the, like you were just bringing up how people hide behind religious controversy. She asked Jesus, like, where should we worship? You Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem and we Samaritans, we worship over here. And so she brings up this religious controversy to hide herself behind it so that she, so Jesus doesn't get to the real heart issue yeah. that, that he's addressing her to deal with. And I guess maybe like Judas, when they're having the last supper and then Jesus, Hey, what you're going to do quickly. And he like runs out the door. And he's, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't maybe say that's conviction, but he was planning to go betray Jesus, but he's going off quickly as soon as he makes that decision as the devil's messing with his head. But yeah, there's probably lots of other ones in the Bible that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head, but whatever that feeling is, it's the spirit. But bro, so that brings me to the question of how does a person who's doing outreach ministry, giving Bible studies, that, that solid, faithful, Adventist, tithe-paying church member who loves the message, they believe this is God's message, and they, wanna, they believe this is the everlasting gospel. They want to share it. And yeah, okay, so they're starting to realize that, that, the that there's going to be reaction. They're going to see the trees blowing when the Spirit's working. They can't be afraid of that. It could be positive. It could be negative. They can reveal to people that the Spirit's at work in their life and that it's not them, it's the Spirit. But how do they make sure that they don't cross the line mm. from saying, hey, this is the Spirit working on your heart to just thinking everything's the Spirit? If I'm like really annoying to someone and they get mad at me, and then I'm like, oh, it's just the Spirit, you're convicted. But maybe they're just <laughs> mad at me because I'm being rude and 
<laughs> pestering them all the time. Yeah. I would use I would use it sparingly <laughs> to start with. I'm going to be saying at every junction, you're obviously the spirit speaking to you. I mean, when you're studying with someone, there there are moments in that series of studies where you see God really just speaking to them, and it, and it, and it may be a moment, or maybe moments, or it may even be an experience that they have after the studies as they're reflecting on the things that they've learned. And so, I think that you can really affirm them when those occasions demand it. I think the more that you, if you're saying it too often, then you just you, you trivialize it in a sense. But yeah, when it's very evident that God is speaking to them and that God is moving upon them, I think you you affirm them in those occasions. And I think just leaning back into what you were sharing before about those biblical stories, for every occasion that you see that they'll cut to the heart and they stone Stephen, there's also those occasions where they'll cut to the heart, like in Acts chapter two, and they said, what must, what, what must we do? and yeah. repent and be baptized. I think when you recognize in ministry that God has, has called you just to do what he's called you to do and the results are with him, I think that pressure, it, it frees you from that pressure because even in Jesus's ministry, you brought up Judas, diverting from the question a little bit here, but you, you brought up Judas. That was He was in communion with Jesus constantly and yet Jesus lost him. So if Jesus, who the Lamb of God and the Messiah, Son of God, like, if he, through his teachings, lost one of his disciples, then not every person that we study with is going to make a decision for the truth. That's right. It just means that we move on to the next or we move on to the next. Yeah, man, I think it comes back, mate. If people are accepting the authority of God's word and they're making a positive decision, you affirm them and say, you're, it's evident that as the spirit is leading you and teaching you, you're accepting these things and you're walking in the spirit. For those that would be, if they're resisting the movings of the spirit in their life, you be careful the way that you pitch that to them. But, uh, well, didn't Peter say to Ananias and Sapphira, I think he said to Ananias, you haven't lied to men, but you've lied to God. Yeah. Right? So this is an example of a man of God telling a person who was acting under false pretenses that, hey, this is you're dealing with God here. Like you think you're just dealing with people, but there's a spiritual reality behind what you're dealing yes. with and you're lying to God and that cost him his life. So... It is true. You want to be careful not to condemn someone unnecessarily. Obviously, that's an extreme example, but it is an example where a guy's like, you are interacting with the Holy Spirit here, and you have decided, as the Holy Spirit convicted you, to pretend that you're going to sell a property and give the proceeds to the church when you're not going to do that. And so this is, you're, this, you're interacting with the Holy Ghost, and you think you're just interacting with people. Mm. I think that's a good example of this. But, bro, we're out of time, and man, this has been an awesome conversation. I hope that everyone out there, I hope you guys have enjoyed these insights, these considerations of God's holy word. And I hope that you're a little more excited about sharing Jesus and uh, the fact that you can, over time, begin to recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you become more successful because you know how to align your efforts or just adjust your efforts accordingly as the Spirit moves. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be adept as soon as you start doing these things, but over time, you become more and more capable of reading circumstances and seeing the spirit at work. Anyways, thanks Ash for coming on. God bless you guys, and we'll catch you next week.